If you wake up on a winter morning and your windshield is iced over and you cannot see to drive, you might wait for it to defrost, for your windshield to clear. You might scrape the ice off the windshield. And I would not recommend it, but hypothetically, you could just give it a shot. Maybe hypothetically, you could just roll the window down and stick your head out and navigate as you go down the road. Or hypothetically, you could get just a baseball-sized clearing that you're driving and trying to see through, hoping that you're not running into anything or anyone. You could try driving with an iced-over windshield. I don't recommend it. I would never do it myself. I'm not, not asking you to. But you could try it. The thing is, if you were to try to drive with an iced-over windshield, you would be taking pressure and expectation that's meant for the windshield and just putting it all on yourself. You would be asking yourself to drive unusually well, to have extraordinary abilities to navigate without being able to rely on the windshield. You would be fully relying on yourself to drive when you were meant to have clear vision and rely on the windshield to do its job. And that means that driving would therefore be way more anxious and stressful than it's meant to be. And it would mean that you had a tiny margin of error. And I think it's possible that when we live in we live lives of self-reliance, when we rely on ourselves more than we were meant to, when we build our lives on what we can do and what we can accomplish, it might be possible that we're living in such a way that we're causing ourselves unnecessary stress and anxiety and we are leaving ourselves just a tiny margin of error to find our way towards a good life. Is there a way to live rather than through self-reliance? Is there a different way to live than through self-reliance? At CPC, we've been going through this series called Who Do You Say I Am? Who do we say Jesus is and what is the difference that it makes in our lives? And this morning, I want us to see that to call Jesus merciful is to clearly see the possibilities of a life with him. So let's grab our Bibles. If you're a first-time guest with us and you don't have one of these journal Bibles, an usher would love to drop one off, get their attention. They'd love for you to have one. We're going to go through this. We're in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. What we're going to see in our story today is that there is a way to have our lives, our eyes open. There is a way to live beyond self-reliance. So Mark 10, starting in verse 46. It says, And they, they being Jesus and his disciples who were traveling, they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, because a great crowd had started to follow Jesus wherever he went, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And that's often where beggars and the destitute would sit to try to grab especially religious people, religious leaders to, to beg something 
of them. And so when Timaeus, when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. So they're like, hey man, just calm down. Jesus does not have time for you. Stop embarrassing us, bro. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and called him and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, Bartimaeus sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I think one of the best movies of the 80s has to be Karate Kid. I just remember the first time I watched Daniel LaRusso, this scrappy underdog who had been bullied but was being mentored by Mr. Miyagi. He did the, he did the crane kick to the face of Johnny Lawrence, the, the arrogant star student of Cobra Kai Dojo, and he defeats him in the All-Valley Championship. And but I don't know if you have seen, and Netflix has come out with a show called Cobra Kai, which traces these two men into their late 40s as they become dads. Different journeys, but the Johnny Lawrence, who was the villain of uh, Karate Kid, has now become the main character of Cobra Kai. He restarts the Cobra Kai dojo. And I don't know if you remember the, the slogan of the Cobra Kai Dojo, which is strike hard, strike first, no mercy. No mercy. That is, that is Cobra Kai's deal. No mercy. In fact, I even have this headband, <laughs> a Cobra Kai headband, and it, it clearly says no mercy on the side of it. I'm really tempted to put it on and wear it preaching, but it does, to seem, it does not seem to match the text. No mercy, that was the Cobra Kai deal. Because mercy is to let up. Mercy is for the weak. And that's right. Mercy is what the weak need. But what our text shows us is that we are blind if we don't realize how weak we truly are. So in our Bibles, let's circle the word Jericho. Circle the word Jericho. Jericho was a town that served as like a staging ground for religious pilgrims making their way to Jerusalem. It was like the final stop. It was like that space or that place where if you're on your way to the airport to drop off the rental car. It's like that spot everyone stops to gas up before they drop off the car. It was the last stop on the way to Jerusalem. It's where Jesus stopped 
on his way to go face Holy Week, which starts next Sunday and Palm Sunday all the way to the cross. But it also marks the end of this section of the Gospel of Mark. And so roughly chapters 8 through the end of 10 make up this section where Jesus is sort of on the road journeying with his disciples. But what's interesting about chapters 8 through 10 is it begins with the story of Jesus healing a blind man. And then it ends with a story of Jesus healing a blind man. If you go back to chapter 8 before the first healing, here's what Jesus says to his disciples. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Jesus says, are you blind? Can't you see? Don't you understand? And then he heals a blind man. And then the disciples follow him all over the Judean countryside, watching him heal and perform miracles and teach. And what we see is they say some pretty bad things. They say some pretty, like, they're, they're clearly a little in the dark. They're clearly a little dense. They ask some bad questions. They make some mistakes. And then they come to this moment, to another story where Jesus heals a blind man. It's clever, but it's not subtle. The gospel writer Mark is trying to get us to see that the disciples are blind when it comes to following Jesus, still blind after all of this time. And I think if we compare and contrast the disciples from our story last week and Bartimaeus today will see why they seem so stuck, why they're so confused. So if you go back just a little bit in Mark chapter 10, here's how the disciples approached Jesus. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. So when Jesus says, what can I do for you? Here's what they say. Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus, make us powerful. We deserve it. But today, here's how Bartimaeus approaches Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus says, what can I do for you? What does he say? Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Do you see the difference in these two stories? The disciples say, Jesus, you should give us power. Look how strong we are. Jesus would call them blind. Bartimaeus says, Jesus, help me see. Look how weak I am. And he's the one that actually experiences the thing that God wants to do in all of our lives. After all this time with Jesus, the disciples still think that the way to a good life is through their own strength, through self-reliance. The reason the disciples are still blind is because they do not realize, they do not admit, they do not understand how weak they truly are. But the good news in the story is that mercy is the antidote to blindness caused by self-reliance. So let's underline in our text, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And then let's circle the word mercy in that sentence. Circle the word mercy. This is the first time in Mark's gospel that anyone calls Jesus the son of David. He's been called son of man, but not son of David. David referring to King David, who was the most famous and most important king in Israel's history. And the prophets of ancient Israel told the people that one day when God brings salvation to our nation and when God brings salvation to the world, it will come through a son of David, a new king on the throne. And so it's no mistake that for Bartimaeus to call Jesus the son of David is to say that Jesus is uniquely the only one who can bring us mercy. He's the only one to rescue us. That he brings mercy and mercy is the antidote. Mercy is relief from suffering. Mercy removes the obstacles. It removes what stands in the way to life with God. Even if those obstacles are there from our own doing, that's the beauty of mercy. It's not something we deserve or have earned. It's something that's freely given to us by Jesus. I remember this game we used to play when we were kids where you would, and it might have just been me and my brother, but you would take the other person's forearm and you would twist it. Again, kids, I don't recommend this. Wait till you get home. You would twist it until they couldn't take it anymore. What would they say? Mercy. That was the code word. That was the word mercy. I can't take it anymore. Where do we need to learn to cry out like Bartimaeus? I can't take it anymore. I've had enough. This isn't working. This is hard. Mercy. But many of us have instead been living under what you might call the Cobra Kai philosophy of no mercy. That life comes to those who take what they want and they take it by force and they take it no matter the cost. And here's what I wonder. When we build lives on what we can take, on what we can do no matter the cost, when we build lives on our own power, What happens when we fail? If we are totally self-reliant, what happens when we fail? Or even when we fear failure, which is crippling, right? It's catastrophic in our lives because if our lives are built on us and we fail, what is there left? Just the broken pieces. But when our lives are built on the mercy of Jesus, What happens when we fail? Jesus is still there. His mercy is still there. And when we fail over and over and over again, if we're honest, we all fail. We're all weaker than we we like to admit. But when we fail, we find that Jesus' mercy is holding us up over and over and over again. Where are you relying on your own strength? to provide a meaningful life. But if you're honest, it's actually making you more anxious and stressed and providing a thin margin for error. Where instead do you need to be honest about your limitations and cry out for mercy 
to say, I need a new way to do this. I need mercy. Maybe it's when it comes to a relationship or work or parenting or school or an addiction. Where do you need to cry mercy? Because we all need it. And we all need to cry to Jesus. Because sin has affected all of us. It's made us all blind to the fact that we're tempted to rely on ourselves over and over and over again. In the last few chapters of the book of Mark, we've seen it from the disciples. We've seen their self-reliance and their blindness. Have we seen our own? Are we willing to see it in ourselves? Are we willing to let Jesus point it out and to offer us mercy that we cannot overcome this on our own strength? But that Jesus, who dies on the cross, offers us mercy so that self-reliance doesn't have to be our future. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The mercy of Jesus relieves us from the destiny we face if we continue on the path of self-reliance and offers us a better way. Pastor Eugene Peterson said, mercy, God, mercy. The prayer is not an attempt to get God to do what he is unwilling otherwise to do, but a reaching out to what we know that he does do, an expressed longing to receive what God is doing in and for us in Jesus Christ. He's saying that when we ask Jesus for mercy, we're also fully admitting that he can do for us what no one else can do for us, including ourselves. And when we admit our weak position before God and realize our need for him. His mercy helps us see that healing is possible just like it was for Bartimaeus. That love is possible. That hope is possible. That joy and that peace is possible. To call Jesus merciful is to see clearly the possibilities of a life with him. Let's underline one more thing in our story. The last phrase, followed him on the way in verse 52. Followed him on the way. Mercy changed Bartimaeus' life. And he followed Jesus because then he realized there was no better way. And when we read the study of Bartimaeus, we see that there are possibilities to a life beyond what we can see. And that there are possibilities to a life beyond self-reliance. Possibilities through the mercy of Jesus. Most mornings, including this morning, uh, someone in my marriage gets up before the light has come up outside and we get up to go for a run or a workout or get ready. And Often I'll get up early and the light, it's still dark outside, the lights are off, and I don't want to wake up Ashley, and so I'll try to get ready in the dark. I'll try to make my way. And if you've lived in a house or been in a bedroom long enough, you kind of know where everything is. 
So you get up and you kind of fumble around and you, you kick the dresser because it's just a little bit to the left of where you thought it was. And you're, you think you know where the door handle is and you walk into the wall and then, and then you find it, it's right here. Like you kind of know, you can make it work, it's fine. But, but what if you didn't have to live that way? And I wonder if a life of self-reliance, it's like we're fumbling around in the dark, trying to make our way a little stressed, a little off the mark, small margin for error. And instead, if flipping on the light switch is like the mercy of Jesus, and then all of a sudden we see the possibilities, and we don't have to rely on ourselves, we can actually see what's possible because the mercy of Jesus has illuminated and helped us see that he, there's something that he wants to do and can do and will do in our lives that we could never get to on our own strength. Friends, let's see what the mercy of Jesus can do in our lives. Let's see a new way because we don't have to rely on ourselves. We can instead rely on Jesus and know that he is enough. He is enough for our past and our present and our future. Let the mercy of Jesus absolutely change your life like it did for Bartimaeus. Let's pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you for stories like this where we so clearly see the mercy of Jesus step into our broken lives and offer us a new way, a way of healing, a way of life. God, I pray for each and one of those in this room, for those who are joining us from home, that, that our souls would be rocked by this story. But more than that, that our souls would be on fire for you that you would give us a vision and a passion for a life beyond settling for what we can do on our own for a life with you. Remind us over and over and over again what's possible with you. And let us be excited. Let us be joyful. Let us lay our lives before you. We love you and praise you. In the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, we pray. Amen.